First in the morning, SAFM Sunrise with Stephen Grutis. Ten after seven now. Good morning. Stage four load shedding, I'm afraid. President Cyril Ramaphosa using his last State of the Nation address before the elections last night to talk about how our economy has changed over the last 30 years, how it's grown since 1994. He also said, though, there are millions of young people who do not have the chance to work. He says the interventions of his government will make it easier for young people to find work. And I suspect that perhaps one of the big issues of the election could be around the economy, unemployment and the huge unemployment that we see. Labuhang Perko is a senior research fellow at the Trade Collective. Labuhang, good morning and thanks so much for your time this morning. Yeah, I'm one of Stephen's as well. It's obviously true that our economy now is, I think the figure is three times bigger than it was 30 years ago, that the number and the percentage of black people playing important roles in our economy, uh, both in sort of in management and in ownership, has really changed fundamentally. But we still have huge unemployment. Are the policies government has in place doing anything to help create jobs for young people? So, I mean, it's clear that since, I mean, the, the, the stoner last night was a, a sort of a state of the 30 years, I, I suppose, rather than the state of the nation, um, and a slightly self-congratulatory one. And I think the, uh, the question should be really exactly that. Even if we go behind the sort of statistics that you have mentioned, what is the qualitative input on the majority of African people's lives in this country? And I think if you look at the, if you consider the fact that there is a growth in inequality and that we're still one of the most unequal countries in the world if we use, you know, the Gini coefficient, which has its own problem, it's clear that there's a there, deep issue. So um, initiatives like the YES and the other youth-orientated, um, youth-orientated policy frameworks that have been developed in recent years to try to address unemployment of young people haven't been as effective as one would have hoped because I think, firstly, they only offer temporary measures and temporary spikes. So there's very short-term placements which don't necessarily speak to a skills transfer and a skills acquisition. The other part of that is that we've seen that since um, particularly the COVID pandemic, which only highlighted the very deep cleavages in our policy, in South African economic policy already, and, 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 and came at a time which when we're already on very shaky ground, I and mean, we've been on shaky ground for several years, um, what, the, what that actually did was to ameliorate a lot of people out of the safety net that they would have had even of temporary employment. And then lastly, um, the attempt to then try to use the, you know, the, special, the, 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 the special release grant as, an, as, as, a, as a sort of a, a placeholder actually doing much more substantive work to develop an inclusive economy and and what I'd rather call a democratized economy, which is where many more people feel as though they have access to it, access to play a meaningful role. Um, None of that seems to have worked. And instead, we were told about the 1,000 industrialists who have been developed. And I think for many years, myself and a few people have been saying that the new industrialists really feel like some of the old, it feels like, a, a recycled BEE oligarchy, mm. uh, and, and whether or not, uh, you know, developing a few people um, as industrialists, how does that translate into how many people they're employing, how many skills are being are being are being acquired in the companies that they run, um, and whether that those are creating an intergenerational legacy, which after 30 years we really ought to be able to point to. Um, if, if, for example, there was a change of government 
in five years from now, would a president mm. be able to look back over five years and say, we came in and we made a major change and all of these millions of jobs were, were created? What I'm trying to get to is, and I know this is an impossible mm. question, how much of it is, a, is it about the policies that we're following now? And how much of it is, I don't know what the right phrase is, the nature, the difficulties of our society? Yeah, the vagaries of, the, of market forces, the vagaries of COVID, the vagaries of the 2008 um, meltdown. So my, my contention with that has been, Stephen, that we do have you know, policy autonomy in this country, and, and like any country, we do have the mechanisms that are in place to ensure that, for example, we control our import and export flows, um, that we can avert um, flooding of, um, of, of, of goods into our markets if they compete um, if they're anti-competitive with ours, and anti-competitive just means that they place our own products and production at a disadvantage. Um, we can actually put in place, but you know, we can be a bit more linear in our approach to policy making. So the sort of, you know, this is a, a South African lament and a South African hobby is mm. the fact that we go from one, you know, we go from RDP to gear, and then from a gear to us, you know, gear was not great, and then to Africa and then to the NDP, and then to the NGP, and so on. And frankly, on the, on the surface, most of them are, are not that interested, they're not that different, but it takes a lot of rebranding, it takes a lot of re-energizing, it takes reallocating resources and project, uh, and, and, and project prioritization to keep on shifting from one to the other. So in five years, if, for example, we, have, we, we are able to be, uh, to be quite linear, about what we are doing and why we are doing it. There's no reason that within a couple of generations, um, season, we wouldn't be able to see shift. And I mean, I'll, I'll use the, the good old, um, the good old chestnut of the Brazilian example, who did exactly that under, shall we call him Lula One, um, mm. um, in the 2000s, uh, and then within like you know the 10 year, you know the few years that he had in office at the time, they they were able to remove. Um, inequality to the extent that Brazil and South Africa are no longer oscillating for the most unequal yeah. country in the world. Brazil has now transcended that. So there's a lot that can be done in a short time, space of time, I think with much greater policy focus and finiteness. Lebo Khang Peko, thank you. Senior Research Fellow at the Trade Collective.